My fellow Americans and our distinguished neighbors, hello and welcome to the Two True Freaks Uber Patriotic Independence Day Celebration. I am Scott Gardner and I'll be your host for this event. I am very honored to bring this show to you because I love Independence Day. I truly, truly do. In fact, next to Christmas itself, Independence Day is my absolute favorite holiday. I love the music and the fireworks and the patriotic sentiment that fills the air the whole day. Or at least, that's how it used to be. That's how I remember the holiday growing up. I think that in modern times, Independence Day has lost a bit of that spark. That fun and celebratory atmosphere that it always seemed to have when I was a kid. With this episode, my intention is to share with you my passion for this, my second favorite holiday, my love and appreciation for this great land of ours, and my enthusiasm for the occasion by trying to recreate just a little bit the feeling and nostalgia I get when thinking about those July 4ths of long ago. So just for a while, let's put aside political and ideological differences, try to forget that the country is going straight to hell in a handbasket, or what an absolute disgrace the current occupant of the White House is, and instead, through music and stories, let's celebrate the 234th year of these awesome United States. Happy birthday, America. Ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem.
I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge and thank the members of the armed services and the listening audience. Without the service and sacrifices of our servicemen and women, both past and present, we would not have, nor would we be able to enjoy, all of the freedoms and the liberties that we as Americans hold so precious. The following musical montage is dedicated to you, the brave individuals who keep America safe. Thank you.
Now, you may have noticed that I did not include the United States Air Force theme in that montage. Well, there's a reason for that, which I'll get to in just a moment. But first, have you ever noticed that while there are about a zillion Christmas movies, a ton of Halloween movies, and even movies for like Thanksgiving and Easter and stuff, there really aren't any good, definitive Fourth of July movies? I mean, at least not that I'm aware of. Now, I know somebody out there is probably saying, Duh, hello, McFly, what about uh, Independence Day, you know, ID4, hello? Yeah, well, I said good 4th of July movies. Now, with all apologies to people that like that, especially my friend Michael Bailey, um, I just got to lay it on the line. That movie sucks ass, okay? However, there is one that, above and beyond just about any other movie for me personally, really evokes the kind of pride and emotion that I feel Independence Day should evoke in all Americans. And that is the right stuff. Damn good movie. It's a real hell yeah, go get them, triumph for the American spirit kind of movie. And it just so happens my favorite track off the score masterfully incorporates the United States Air Force theme. So here it is, Jaeger's Triumph from the Right Stuff soundtrack by Bill Conti. Enjoy.
There is one movie, however, that I've ended up watching just about every 4th of July. Now, this might sound a little bit odd at first, because this movie has just about as much to do with Independence Day as, say, Die Hard has to do with being a Christmas film, but bear with me. The movie is called Roller Coaster, and it stars George Siegel, or Seagal, I've heard it pronounced both ways, as a city building and thrill ride inspector named uh, Harry Calder. And he gets caught up in a plot by this mysterious bomber to extort $1 million from the amusement park industry. There's this weird and eerie dynamic that forms between Calder and the bomber, and it's really fantastic, and it's tension-filled. And it leads up to the exciting final chapter of the movie where Calder puts his reputation on the line, betting that the bomber's next target will be at the grand opening of this roller coaster called the Great American Revolution. It's the newest, tallest, and fastest roller coaster in America, and it's having its grand opening on, you guessed it, the 4th of July. Now, Timothy Bottoms is excellent and creepy as hell as the unnamed bomber. Richard Widmark is absolutely superb as FBI agent Hoyt. You can also look for a young, a very young, Helen Hunt, and also a blink-and-you'll-miss-him cameo by Steve Gutenberg. The movie is fast-paced, it's tight, it's moody, it's intelligent, it's Hitchcockian, and it's suspenseful as hell, right up until the very exciting climax of the movie, which I'm not going to spoil. Lalo Schifrin supplies this really wonderful, like, haunting score. It's something of an underappreciated hidden gem because it came out and it got lost originally back in the summer of 1977 when this little indie movie you might have heard of called Star Wars came out. But I highly recommend it. It's a great movie. Get ready for the thrill of your life. Now, Universal plunges you into a mystery at the speed of sound. Roller Coaster. Plus two accidents in one week. Who's putting the lid on this? The police? A recording from a stranger. Get on the ride, Harry. A drop in Virginia. Harry. Yeah. Remember what happens when you don't follow directions. And a man in the middle on the ride of his life. They're over the lift. It's too late to stop them now. Let's go. And because, like I said, there's just not that much patriotic slash Independence Day type viewing material out there, something else I'll sometimes end up watching an episode or 12 of is the very excellent HBO miniseries From the Earth to the Moon. I loved this show. And it's hard for me to play favorites with episodes, but some of the ones that I would recommend highest would be, with Independence Day in mind, either Mare Tranquilitatis, which is the episode where Apollo 11 actually lands on the moon, you know, it's the first moon landing. You know, appropriately enough, that happened in July, so it's kind of appropriate. 
That's All There Is, which is the story of Apollo 12. That one's just good-natured, light-hearted fun. That's just a really excellent episode. And the one for Miles and Miles, which was the story of uh, how Al Shepard eventually did make it to the moon. Some fantastic episodes, but I recommend the entire series. Although, you'll probably want to spread it out over a weekend rather than try to watch it all in one day. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Speaking of television, another Independence Day tradition of mine is watching a Capital Fourth on PBS, which, for the past couple of years anyway, has been hosted by Jimmy Smith. Now, he played Bail Organa in the uh, Star Wars prequels, and the main reason I enjoy watching this was to watch and really enjoy listening to the orchestra conducted by Eric Kunzel, or Kunzel. Sadly, Kunzel uh, died last September, and I haven't yet heard how or even if they're going to try to replace him or have someone, you know, try to do what he did for that show. I really liked his work. His albums are absolutely fantastic, really dynamic sound. The, the, the stereo and the full surround is just fantastic. He produced a whole slew of, uh, like, best-of-style orchestrated albums based on uh, movie music, big band music, Disney music, um, even some Star Trek music, things like that. And uh, I loved listening to him do a Capital Fourth because he would do these great movie montages. So, you know, here you had Independence Day going on, but he wasn't just playing the standard, like, Sousa marches or whatever. He was playing, like, Star Wars and E.T. and Raiders of the Lost Ark and all these great classic movie themes. I'm really going to miss him. Capital Fourth is just not going to be the same without him. So, in memory of Eric Kunzel, I'd like to play a few pieces of his work. I hope you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. 
Independence Day is also the time when I think I miss my gardener grandparents the most. My fondest Fourth of July memories are of the cookout family get-together things that we would have every year for the Fourth of July. It wasn't really a reunion, you know, like a family reunion, because back then we all saw each other pretty often. Except for my Aunt Bonnie, who lived in Georgia, we all lived in New York and fairly close together, so we saw each other all the time. It was just, you know, a, a family occasion. I was just a little kid surrounded by my family, and I remember lighting off fireworks with my parents and aunts and uncles and my cousins and whoever else was there in the backyard. And I mean the real friggin' fireworks, too. The kind that, you know, if you didn't handle it properly, would probably blow your goddamn fingers off. Now that I think about it, I think that's where I gained my fear and mistrust of sparklers. I hate the damn things to this day. I remember, you know, like kids are wont to do, I was whirling sparklers around and I dropped one. So I reached down to pick it up, and I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention or, or I got the, the wrong end or what happened, but I scalded the shit out of my thumb and forefinger. I mean, really, really bad. And I remember my grandmother putting butter on it for whatever the hell reason. I don't know what it was supposed to do, but it stung like a bitch, let me tell you. She's found pimples on her fingers, makes a noise. Play Charleston on the laundry for the boys. She can rag a tune right through the knees of a brand new pair of BBDs on a Coney Island washboard around the lake. On her Coney Island washboard, she would play. You could see her on the boardwalk every day. 
Soap suds all around, little bubbles on the ground. Rub a dub a dub in her little tub, all those tunes she's found. Thimbles on her fingers makes a noise. Plays Charleston on the laundry for the boys. She can rag a tune right through the knees of a brand new pair of BBDs on a Coney Island washboard on the lake.
a great American whom I truly admire that absolutely loved this country and devoted a lot of time and money to showing it was Walt Disney. In fact, two of the lands that make up both Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World are devoted to American themes, those being Main Street USA and Frontierland. Frontierland's even called Westernland in some of the uh, overseas parks. Disneyland itself was dedicated by Walt on its opening day to the ideals, the dreams, and the hard facts that have created America. That's pretty powerful. And over the years, the Disney parks have had many attractions devoted to Walt's love for this country, such as the Carousel of Progress, America Sings, and Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. Now, three that I really get a kick out of are Main Street USA itself, the Hall of Presidents, and the American Adventure, which is in World Showcase at Epcot. So first, let's take a walk with Walt Disney himself through the land that he modeled out of his own fond memories of his Missourian hometown. Suddenly, as we come into this square, the cares and worries of today are left behind, and we find ourselves in a little town in the year 1900. On one hand is the city hall, and on the other is the fire station. Down Main Street, we see the Emporium and all the many shops. There is the old music store, the Penny Arcade with its blaring orchestrion, the Popcorn Man, and the old Calliope. At the end of the street, the marching band appears in full regalia. But let's take the horse-drawn streetcar and ride down Main Street. Yeah.
The thing I liked best before the latest refurbishment to the Hall of Presidents, besides the incredibly realistic and lifelike audio-animatronic figures, is the music.
And lastly, I often wonder how many visitors to Walt Disney World actually make time for the American adventure. It's amazing. It's truly a technological and engineering marvel. One of the best shows in all of the parks. And I seriously suspect that a vast majority of attendees skip it. In that show, told entirely with audio-animatronic figures, we are presented with our story. It's a fascinating tour through the highlights of our first 200 years, hosted by audio-animatronic figures of Benjamin Franklin and Mark Twain, and they're so lifelike that you'll swear that they're real. America did not exist. Four centuries of work, bloodshed, loneliness, and fear created this land. We built America, and the process made us Americans. A new breed, rooted in all races, stained and tinted with all colors, a seeming ethnic anarchy. Then, in a little time, we became more alike than we were different. New society. Not great, but fitted by our very faults for greatness. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Twain. What's that? Perhaps you recognize those inspiring words from one of America's great writers. Uh, no, Dr. Franklin, I don't recall writing anything like that. Oh, my, of course not. They're from the pen of John Steinbeck, here in the 20th century. Why, it seems he has nearly the same spirit as the founding fathers themselves. Well, listen to the proud elder statesman. Mr. Twain, pride is one of our national passions. Even those who overcome it are proud of their humility. Easy now. I was born modest. Fortunately, it wore off. Uh, Dr. Franklin is our genuine American antique. I suppose our story begins with you. Actually, it started long before even my time. It started when dreams and visions of a new world were shrouded in the myths and legends of an old world. Finally, through those early mists of uncertainty, sailed the first great adventurers. This tiny ship is the Mayflower, carrying pilgrims in search of their dream, a dream of religious freedom. So, if you'll pardon an old man's pride, for me, this is the beginning of the American adventure. Oh! 
welcoming the early settlers, this land severely challenged them. It was a struggle for survival that gained but a tiny toehold in a vast, untamed wilderness. In the decades that followed, a new challenge began to emerge. We were growing more and more apart from the mother country. Passion began to govern, and she never governs wisely. Ah, the British think it's fools we be. If they tax our trade, then our land be next, and soon all else we possess. Hear me now. You ask defense against the French and the Indians. Should you not help pay for it? Parliament's colonial policy is both arbitrary and unjust. That's nonsense. The same tea that cost you three shillings a pound costs us six. First, we spoke out with our voices. Then, we spoke out with action, with a growing defiance that led to the Boston Tea Party. Hear ye! Hear ye! By royal proclamation, His Majesty King George But surely we can work something out. Our king feels we've wronged him. Your king, you Tory! Either we cut the ties with England, or we surrender our liberty! Finally, the time had come to speak with one voice in a declaration of independence. Ah, good evening, Mr. Jefferson. Have you finished the new draft yet? Those are new drafts all over the floor, Dr. Franklin. It seems one stroke of this pen brings two changes from Congress. I told you John Adams should have written this. Oh, by his own admission, you can write circles around him. Mr. Adams has not been prisoner in this loft for 17 days. I shall continue tomorrow. You must continue now. Thomas... It is difficult to make 13 clocks chime at the same time, but we must carefully justify this separation. Dr. Franklin, while you slept soundly through the meeting this afternoon, we did manage to justify separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And to secure these rights, another night of here. <laughs> At least you got shoes, mate. There's not a dozen left what can say that. Don't tell me, friend. Tell the good general there. Tell him that half his camp has got typhus, smallpox, or dysentery. And there be not a ration amongst us. Now we can forage for hickory nuts. Aye, while the English overindulge in our Philadelphia's fine food and drink. Uh, 
is a strange war we shoulder, George Washington. Congress sleeps warmly in York. And the British, the British party in Philadelphia. And we freeze or starve to death here in Valley Forge. perhaps our greatest dream. Thirteen very different colonies became the United States of America, and we were free to become an entire nation of dreamers and doers. Westward bound, Dr. Franklin, to new frontiers. To the age of Samuel Langhorne Clemens. Well, I like to think Mark Twain was part of all that. Dr. Bentley, you founding fathers gave us a pretty good start, don't you know? We still had some things to learn the hard way. Seems a whole bunch of folks found out we the people didn't yet mean all the people. Folks like Frederick Douglass. Even amidst the cricket song here along Mark Twain's beloved Mississippi, I hear the noise of chains and the crack of the whip. Yet, there is hope. Hope born from the words of Harriet Beecher Stowe. Uncle Tom's cabin has given our nation a key which can unlock the slave prison to millions. Anti-slavery is no longer a thing to be prevented. It is grown too abundant to be snuffed out like a lantern. Troublemakers like Douglas got us into this mess. He only wanted freedom, oh. not war. Well, listen to my abolitionist brother. What? Pa, he's gonna make a real good Billy Yank. We got a good cause, Johnny Reb. Quiet, both of you. You're gonna ruin Ma's birthday. No, no. Ain't nothing gonna ruin today. We're all together. That's what counts. Now, you go ahead, Mr. Brady. All right, everybody. Oh, real still now. Two brothers on their way, two brothers on their way, two brothers on their way, one wore blue and one wore gray. One wore blue and one wore gray as they marched along their way. The fife and drum began to play 
All on a beautiful morning One was gentle, one was kind One was gentle, one was kind One came home, one stayed behind A cannonball, don't be no mind A cannonball, don't be no mind If you're gentle or if you're kind It don't think of the folks behind All on a beautiful morning All on a beautiful morning At last, the terrible civil war ended. The time had come to rebuild our shattered nation. And a new wave of immigrants would help us do it. From around the world they came, these new Americans. A thousand noble currents of Pernmelville all pouring into one. Seems there was a new dawn coming for the American adventure. Enough! Enough of your words. Let your new dawn lead to the final sunset on my people's suffering. When I think of our condition, my heart is heavy. I see men of my own race treated as outlaws or shot down like animals. I hope that all of us may be brothers. We're the one country around us and one government for all. From where the sun now stands, I will fight no more. Forever. The wisdom of the great Chief Joseph reminded us once again of our long, painful journey through the frontiers of human liberty. One has shown equal devotion with man to the cause of freedom. Together, they have made this country what it is. We ask justice. We ask equality be guaranteed to us and our daughters forever. Well, here we are, back in the heat of Franklin's Philadelphia again. We're a hundred years old today. We came a long way in that first century. But like Susan B. Anthony, we're still speaking out. And why shouldn't we, Mr. Twain? As Tom Edison says, discontent is the first necessity of progress. Edison, afraid I don't place the name. Edison's that young phonograph inventor. Why, this great hall is filled with new inventions. There's Otis Elevator, tallest magnificent steam engines. And don't forget me telephone. The true hallmark of progress. Aha! Behold the proud Scots. That's right. Carnegie Steel built this place. Aye, and it'll soon build a new concert hall for New York. Oh, Carnegie Hall, eh? It'll never last. Donating libraries. Andy, that's grand idea. It's an age for grand ideas. 
an era for innovation. A dawn for new awareness. A time to challenge the frontiers of a new century. and the winds of change. But our America the Beautiful, she was changing too. We needed people like Teddy Roosevelt and an outspoken naturalist, John Muir, to get our attention. Beautiful. Bully beautiful. Those falls are magnificent. Aye, Mr. President. But it won't last if the timber thieves have their way. John, you may be right, but the country's growth is putting a tremendous demand on our resources. Any fool can destroy trees. Why, for more than 3,000 years, God has cared for our giant sequoias, saved them from drought, disease, avalanches, and floods. But he cannot save them from fools. Now, John, you know I can't ask lumbering to stop completely. All I ask is that we stop massive destruction. What will our children inherit? Seedlings? Of course not. I realize we're not building this country for a generation alone. I know we've got to expand our parks. Then start it here and now. Make this valley a part of Yosemite National Park. Well, I guess we needed those national parks. Seems the simple life of my day was slipping away. Ready or not, we were soon thrust into the hectic role of a world leader and into the war to end all wars. Non-stop hours after his departure from New York, Captain Charles Augustus Lindbergh successfully landed his Spirit of St. Louis in Paris last week. Lucky Lindy's solo flight across the Atlantic has certainly placed him among the greatest in a long line of American pioneers. Today, October 29th, 1929, Wall Street became America's greatest wall of rubble. This stock market crash has tarnished the golden dreams of millions. Once I built a tower to the sun, brick and rivet and lime. Once I built a tower, now it's done. Brother, can you spare a dime? Spare a dime? 
<laughs> sure. Buy four of my apples, and I'll loan you back to ten cents. <laughs> hey, Sam. <laughs> I heard tell there's New York millionaires are selling apples, too. <laughs> you means ex-millionaires, don't you? Say, <laughs> it looks like the storm is finally letting up. Well, maybe the Sunday drivers will come out a hunting for gas. Ain't many folks who pay no 18 cents a gallon. Hey, hey, listen, fellas. Old FDR's been inaugurated. Frankly and boldly, this great nation will endure, as it has endured, will revive, and will prosper. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Yeah, I sure hope he's right. Folks could use a little prosperity around these parts. <laughs> yes, sir. Before this depression, we sure had enjoyed special blessings. Hold it. But I know, think that's Will Rogers. That we was a mighty cocky nation. We'd begun to believe that the height of civilization was an automobile, a radio, and a bathtub. Of course, now we're a whole lot smarter. Now Congress wants to trim down the Navy so it'll fit into the bathtub, too. You know, it seems to me like we're the only nation in the world that waits till we get into a war before we start getting ready for it. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, United States all the day long, where the rain or shine, she's the part of the assembly line. She's making history, working for victory. Rosie, 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 the ribbon. Yes, that was dedicated to you, Rosie. Tens of thousands of you across the face of America working tonight to keep our boys in the fight. To all of you out there, a very Merry Christmas. Well, Rosie, think you will ever get this old top back in the fight? We'll sure try, sailor. Hey, what did you fellas do? Let the whole Nazi fleet use you for target practice? Yeah, no wonder they got us working double shifts. Great way to celebrate the holidays with our guys over there. Cheer up, Jane. Maybe we'll all be together by next Christmas. Restless one in a world 
And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. My fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. I have a dream this afternoon that the brotherhood of man will become a reality in this day with this faith. 30 feet down, two and a half, picking up some dust. Four forward, four forward, drift into the right a little. Contact light, okay, engine stop. We copy you down, Eagle. Tranquility base here, the Eagle has landed. America, spread your golden wings, sail on freedom's wings, cross the sky. think of our America now. I think the Founding Fathers never dreamed of an America like this. <laughs> of course not. We weren't dreamers. We were visionaries. That is why our Constitution withstands the rigors of time. Easy now, Dr. Franklin. This nation's still just a youngster, don't you know? Why, some countries have been around for 500 centuries. We're, uh, barely into our third. That's true, but look what we've accomplished in that tiny span of time. My dear doctor, earlier you found John Steinbeck so inspiring, but he also sounded this warning. We now face the danger which in the past has been the most destructive to the human. Success. Plenty comfort, and ever-increasing leisure. No dynamic people has ever survived these dangers. I may have invented these bifocals I'm wearing, but I can assure you they are not rose-colored. Mr. Twain, the golden age never was the present age, but with human liberty, we can fulfill the promise and meaning of America. To everyone a chance, believe Thomas Wolfe. To all people, regardless of their birth, the right to live, to work, to be themselves, and to become whatever their visions can combine to make them. This is the promise of America. Mr. Twain, tis easy to see, hard to foresee, but I foresee the American adventure to continue a long, long time. America, you must keep dreaming now, dreaming the promise now of your pioneers. America, keep on flying now, keep your spirit free.
geek-related Independence Day show would be complete without a patriotic comic book recommendation, would it? Now, I'm not going to be all predictable and name a Captain America or Wonder Woman or Superman book. Nope. I'm going to recommend to you the comic that's probably spoken directly to me the best in the past, say, at least 10 years or so of reading comic books. I want you to seek out and read Fury, Volume 3. It's a Marvel Max title. It's full of blood, guts, violence, language, nudity, everything a growing boy needs. And it has a scene with a character I never thought I would identify so closely with in my entire life, that being Nick Fury. But as I read this first issue, there it was, in black and white, exactly the way I feel sometimes when I look around at this land that I love so much and wonder what happened. Let me set the scene for you. Now keep in mind, this is a Marvel Max book, so if you're at work or the kids are listening, you might want to skip ahead, say about two minutes or so. So Nick Fury, he's in a bar, he's in a pissed off mood, he's having a rotten day, things are just not going his way. He lo- he's starting to light up a cigarette, and a woman comes over to him and says, I'm afraid I'll have to ask you to refrain from smoking, sir. It's for the comfort of our other patrons. And we get a shot that shows there is nobody else in the whole place. So Nick says, what other patrons? And she says, you're welcome to smoke at the bar, sir, if you'd like to move over there now. And he says, who will it bother if I smoke here? And she just has this very patronizing look on her face. And she says, is there going to be a problem, sir? And we see him at the bar in the next room. And he's smoking. He's sitting there all by himself. And he calls her an effing C. And then uh, a... An old friend, actually an old enemy of his uh, from the old Cold War days, this big Russian guy walks in and he says, Hello, Nicky. And Nick says, Rudy. And Rudy says, he orders a vodka and he says, You have the air of a man ready to gut the next person who fucks with him, my friend. Bad day? And this is the moment. Nick Fury has this just maniacal look on his face as he's looking at his friend and he says bad goddamn 10 years what happened to this country when did the assholes start running things how did they get away with the pissant little rules they make us live by why do they use 10 words to hint at what just one would say I feel like I blinked and someone turned the place into the United States of pussies I read that and I just thought he Nailed it. This book is written by Garth Ennis, who I respect greatly as a comic book writer. You know, whenever I see in the paper where some second grader has been suspended from school for sexual harassment simply because he pulled some classmates' pigtails, or I have to actually tell the fucking ATM or the telephone operator that I'd like English, please, in America, I find myself feeling just like Nick Fury in this story looking around and going, what the fuck has this country become? I feel for you, Nick. But you know what, buddy? I still love this place, and I'm not ready to give up on it just yet. Now, my favorite patriotic tune.
that doesn't fire up your blood you are dead inside all right it's getting late and i've got to save some material for next year but before i go i'd like to share something with you something that's meant a lot to me over the years that never fails to inspire me whenever i sit down and and look at it and read it again these words were written just a hair over 145 years ago but i totally believe that they are still just as powerful and just as relevant to America and Americans today as they were then. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. I'm Scott Gardner. Thank you very much for listening. Please have a happy and safe Independence Day.
Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Twotruefreaks.libson.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libson, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. You can find me, Scott Gardner, both on Twitter and Facebook. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T. G-A-R-D-N-E-R Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcasts.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening. Join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Future Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.